0: According to a legend, there was an island dominated by an iron mountain. It emitted such a powerful magnetic force that it attracted every piece of metal brought within range of its influence. Ships at sea passing near the shore of that land felt its force on their anchors and chains. If the ship drew closer, the attraction became stronger until finally the very nails of that ship came flying off and fastened themselves to the side of the mountain. The ship, of course, would fall to pieces with great loss of life. What an analogy it is when we think of the lure and the attraction and how powerful it is of this world. When we get saved and accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, He changes us completely. He gives us a new life. And guess what? The devil puts us up as as his enemy. And he's out to get us. And He wants you to fall. And He wants me to fall. He wants us to fall into temptation. He wants us to fall into sin. He wants to devastate us. He wants to destroy us. That's His number one goal. And He's got all these demons out there working them 24-7. They never take a day off. They never take a vacation. Temptations are out there in this world. But guess what? We have a power greater than the power of the devil. We have the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And though Satan is in charge of that Iron Mountain and he loves to try to attract us to the sins of this world, he can't win. When we stay near the Lord and abide in him and trust in him, the devil cannot touch us. He can try to encourage us to sin, but he can't make you sin. He can't make me sin. We don't have to say yes. We don't have to give in but we can stand strong in Him. The key to it, though, is we don't overcome temptation in our own strength. As soon as we try to do that, the devil will blow us away. He's way more powerful than we are. He's an angel, a fallen one, but He's so powerful. You say, how can we stand up against Him? We can't. But the Lord Jesus Christ already conquered Him on the cross. It says that He crushed His head Satan bruised his heel, but Jesus crushed his head on the cross. The devil knows he's a conquered foe, but he's going to fight right down to the end. He's going to try to tempt us and get us off the track every bit he can. He doesn't want one single Christian to be walking in the will of God and being happy and have peace and joy and win souls to Christ and grow in the faith. He doesn't want that. He's going to do everything he can to try to destroy our lives, as I said. And so we're going to be talking about the subject today. Do not love the world. Do not love the world. It's a simple topic, but it's powerful because it has to do with how the Lord can give us the victory. One of my favorite Bible memory verses that we had in our scripture memory class. And like Jim was mentioning this morning, we've memorized over 300 verses. Have you ever thought about that? That's a lot of verses we have at our disposal to be able to use when situations come up in our lives. Well, I love 1 Corinthians ten thirteen and verse 12 that precedes it. It says this, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. There is no temptation overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God knows what we can handle. And He won't allow anything too great for us. And if we're overcome by a great temptation, He provides the way of escape. But we have to take it. If we don't take that way of escape, we can fall. And that's why we need His strength and we need His power. When the Lord Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember He prayed three times, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from Me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The sweat was pouring off of him like great drops of blood. He was in agony. And what were the disciples doing at that moment? They were sleeping. I mean, I can't blame them. I'm like that, too. We have the same nature. We're just like that. And so when the Lord Jesus got their attention, he said this. Watch and pray. That you enter not into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's so true. Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And through the Bible, we see people who were experienced temptation and some of them fell and some of them had victory. And we are the ones who want to have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. My mentor and teacher, Bill McDonald, years ago, used to to have a little prayer that he used to say. He told us about it. He said, I always pray that the desire to sin and the opportunity to sin won't come together at the same time. Isn't that a great... Because sometimes you might have the, the desire, but there's no opportunity. Praise God, right? Other times, you have the opportunity, but you don't have the desire. So may God help us that the desire... And the opportunity won't come at the same time. But even if it does, he will strengthen us and give us victory. Our main text today is 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. This also is one of the memory verses we've had in our class. that has been such a blessing. But 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 15. Here, John writing to the believer says, do not love the world or the things in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and also it's lust, But he who does the will of the father abides forever. Yes, what a great blessing it is to know this world, the things that we consider important in the world, the cars, the homes, the, all the things that people strive for, the money. Guess what? The scripture is so clear. It's passing away. And not only is it fleeting and not only is it passing away, but the Bible tells us very clearly, especially in first book of Peter and second Peter, the world is going to be burned up and destroyed and God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. So even these things of earth that seem so important are going to have no value whatsoever in, in eternity at all. But we're thankful for what the Lord has done in our lives. Today, we're going to talk about two people, one woman and one man, who fell into temptation. And we're going to see how they fell, why they fell, and what happened as a result of their fall. And those two people we're going to look at this morning is the very first woman in the Bible. We know her as Eve. And... We're going to also talk about the man named Achan in the book of Joshua who took those things that were under the ban and what happened to him as a result of falling prey to that temptation as well. You know, we, we are born with a, with a free will. We're born with a sense of choice. We teach our kids to grow up to make good choices. But parents, can you make the choices for their kids when they grow up? no. You pray for them and pray that they'll make those good choices. And God the Father loves us like that too. And He wants us to make good choices. He wants us to follow Him, obey Him, trust in Him. And when temptation comes, He'll give us the strength. He'll give us the way of escape to be victorious in the Lord Jesus Christ. So temptation itself is not a sin. Falling prey to it though, yielding to it is where sin comes in. So we're all going to be tempted. We're all going to be bombarded every day, but we don't have to fall. It is a choice to fall. Well, let's look, first of all, at Eve. We oftentimes blame Adam and Eve, don't we, for our sinful situation in this world. Uh, Adam and Eve, if they hadn't sinned against God and taken that forbidden fruit. I mean, look what mess we got into. And we have that sinful nature. They call it the Adamic nature from Adam that's been passed on to us. It's, it's really not our fault, Lord. It's Adam's fault. It's Eve's fault. I mean, they're the ones, right, Lord? No. You point at them, you've got four fingers pointing back at yourself because we're sinners. We're born in sin and conceived in iniquity. If we were in their place, do you think it would be any different? I know for me, it wouldn't have been any different. That fruit would have looked too good for me, too. I would have taken it, too. All of us would. But that's the amazing part of it. God gave them a free choice. He gave them a free will. And we see how strong the lust of the flesh is, how strong the lust of the eyes are, and how strong the pride of life is in Our lives, and we see it in the life of Eve. I mean, think about it. Eve was the very first woman in the world. She was the most beautiful of all the women in the world. And that was without makeup, right? I mean, she, think about it. If God created the woman and gave her to Adam, don't you think she was the best? She was the most beautiful woman on the face of the earth. I mean, Adam was amazed when God presented her to him and so she had that going for her she was she had intimate and close fellowship with god in the garden just like adam i mean they had it all they had she was married to a wonderful husband adam and they had this closeness in their marriage so they had they had a great relationship with god they had a great relationship with each other they had everything you could possibly ask for and of course ado likes it because they had fruits to eat God gave them the fruits to eat because it's true, before the fall, they didn't eat meat. That is true. I grant him that. Before the fall, they didn't have meat. They ate fruits. They ate herbs. They ate seeds. They had They had it. But it was the perfect diet for them in the perfect place. And the Garden of Eden was a paradise. It was a paradise. Perfect temperature. Every, no, no extremes. No hurricanes, tornadoes, floods. Nothing didn't even rain in those days. It used to have a mist that would rise up from the ground and water the earth. It was perfect. And yet it's so true to human beings that we can have it all in life. We can have a good family. We can have a good job, good church, good ministry, everything going for us. And all of a sudden though, there's something we want so bad and it's like we forget about all that God has given us and we focus on that one thing that God has said no to, but we want it. That's where that temptation comes in. It's not it, there's so many different kinds of temptations and that's one of them is to choose for ourselves instead of letting God choose his will for us. And that's one of the things we have to be careful of. Yes, she had it all. And yet, it something was missing there. Something was not quite right there. Somehow she lost her appetite for the things that God had provided. And she was kind of focusing on that tree in the middle of the garden. Now, remember, God had said you can eat from every tree in the garden except one, just one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Now, is that clear or what? God was very explicit. One commandment, didn't need ten in those days. They just had one. They blew it on the one, brothers, right? Sisters, they they blew it on the one, let alone when the Israelites got ten and they blew it on the ten. It doesn't matter because sin is sin and one sin, you're guilty of breaking all of them. And so that's what they had. And so day by day, I'm sure she would walk by that tree and she would be curious. I mean, boy, that that tree looks just as good as the other trees. In fact, you know, it even kind of looks better. And the fruits seem to be bigger and they seem to be, they look juicier somehow. They look nicer to me somehow. And guess what? The devil was right there in the form of the serpent to coach her about it. And in the third chapter of Genesis, this is what the serpent said. He said, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord had made. And he says, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Notice how subtle he was. He's misquoting God. He's, he's not saying the truth at all. He didn't say that they, had, they couldn't eat from any tree of the garden. Just one. And that's always the way it is. God gives us all these beauty, beautiful blessings and things and we focus on this one thing we don't have. And we get discouraged. I don't have it. And we complain and, and all these things. And we want it. And that wanting starts to well up in us. That's where the, where the temptation comes. And it happened to Eve. And like we said, we're no different than her. It happened to the Israelites. Remember when they lost their appetite for the manna? What did they want? The onions, the leeks, the melons, and the garlic of Egypt. That's what they wanted. Let's go back to Egypt. We had it good in Egypt. Oh, yeah? You were slaves in Egypt. How did you have it good? And God gave them manna. And the manna was very special in those days because He'd give it to them every morning. They'd gather it and it had all the nutrition they needed. It tasted sweet and it was nutritious and it was perfect. And then the next thing you know, you hear them say, oh, all we have is this manna. We're tired of this manna. Manna for breakfast, manna for lunch, manna for dinner, manna for snacks. They got tired of the manna. Do we get tired of the manna of God's Word? And say, well... I need to read another book or I need to do this or I need to do that. If God's word is good enough for the apostles and the the prophets and the men of women of God, it's good enough for us. It's God's word. We need God's word. And it's not wrong to read Christian books. Believe me, I'm not saying it is. But we need to put our attention on the word of God because that's the life changing book that we need. We need his word every day. day of our lives. But the satanic strategy was getting her starting to doubt God. Starting to doubt that God loved her. Starting to think that maybe God was holding back something that was good for her and not giving her something. And sometimes we can feel that way too. Lord, you haven't given me that life partner yet. You haven't given me that job yet. You haven't given me that home yet. You haven't given me that child yet. Whatever it is. And that's when the devil starts whispering. God doesn't really care about you that much. If he did, wouldn't he give you this? Or if he did love you, why would he allow these trials and difficulties to come into your life? The devil is very subtle. And you know he's stupid too, but he's very, very smart at the same time. He's stupid and smart at the same time. Because he knows how to get to us. He knows us very well. He knows our weaknesses. He comes at us in our time of weakness. And he tempts us to sin against our God. In Genesis chapter five and verse five, we see the serpent saying he contradicts God. Basically, he said, you will not surely die. God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Contradicted God. Wow. And she's buying into it. She's buying the lie. She's buying it. And sometimes we can do that if our attention gets off the Lord, off His Word and off prayer and we start deviating into the world. That's why we say don't love the world because that world is going to lead you off. It's going to have that strong attraction. And like the ships that got close to that Iron Mountain, the closer they got, the more powerful was that attraction to pull apart the ship and destroy it. Satan wants to pull us apart. He wants to destroy us. He wants to take us down. And we can't allow that to happen. In Genesis chapter five, verse six, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and that a desire, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave it to her husband with her and he ate. Oh, boy. Now we have it. Does this not remember? Three times, right? Chapter, sorry, chapter three, verse six. You're right, sorry. Three, five and three, six, sorry. And it's amazing that three times she had the same thing we talked about in 1 John. She had the lust of the eyes. She saw it. it may, and then she had the lust of the flesh and she had the pride of life. Notice it says, it was good for food, lust of the flesh. It was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, and she took it. She saw it. She desired it. She took it. And that's what happened there. In 1 John 2.16 that we read earlier, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Yes, she did that. Someone once said, If you do not want the fruits of sin... Stay out of sin's orchard. (laughs) I like it. If you don't want the fruits of sin, stay out of sin's orchard. How many times, using our sanctified imagination, do you think she walked by that tree and looked at it? She knew she couldn't take from it and she knew she wasn't supposed to even touch it. She put that in herself, which wasn't what God said in the first place. But she'd get close to it. She'd look at it. And probably every day as she was walking to go to be with Adam or go to fellowship with the Lord. She's seeing that tree. And so when Satan said, no, this is a good tree, she says, yeah, I've been thinking about that. I think, yeah, I'm going to take it. And look what happened as a result of her taking it. She gives it to her husband and they fell into sin. They fell into sin. And the sin nature has been with us ever since. And these same temptations are out there in the world today. And they're coming at us in the same way. Satan's got into the modern technology, though. Isn't it amazing how Satan uses technology? How many times have we heard recently about people have been uncovered with child pornography on their computer? How about this gentleman who worked for Subway, Jared? He lost all this weight and he was the spokesperson for Subway and he'd be on the TV commercial, made tons of money. He had a wonderful wife. He lived in a mansion. He had all these things going for him. But he had child pornography. He was involved with women under age. And it was just so sad. And to see him arrested and he's going to be losing his freedom and going going to jail. and, And that's what happens. With sin, sin is a terrible master. It has dominion over people. And we thank God that when the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, He broke sin's power in our lives. And so now, if we choose to yield to that temptation, we are doing it on our own. We're, we're doing it by, a, by an act of our will. And we have to say, Lord, strengthen us. Strengthen me, Lord, to face those temptations. And when we spend time with the Lord in prayer and we spend time with Him in in His Word, and we come to the meetings, and we have fellowship together, it strengthens us so that we can go out and face the temptation. As soon as we start deviating, weakening, missing the meetings, not spending time in His Word, the devil says, I've got him. I've got her. I've got her. He picks out uh, the weak ones. He picks out the ones who are weak. He picks out the ones that are not close to the Lord, and he goes after them. Have you ever seen on TV... They show a lion and the lion is watching out over all these creatures there. And it's maybe a a gazelle or it's maybe one of these animals that they're going after. They wait until the one animal is off by itself from the others. And then the lion sneaks up on it and it's got it. Before you know it, done. Done. The other ones run away because they were together in a group. They run away, but the lion got the one. We don't want to be the one that the devil gets, do we? We really don't because it can destroy our testimony, destroy our lives, ruin our lives. We need to stay close to the Lord. So let's stay out of sin's orchard. Someone said the most expensive thing in the world is sin. Isn't that true? The most expensive thing because it it has a price to it. It has a terrible price to be paid. So that's Eve. And let's not point our fingers at her because we would have done the same thing. But let's be careful. Let's be on our guard. Let's walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Because the Word of God tells us, let him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. We can never say, well, it won't happen to me. We have to be careful. We have to be on guard. Every day. Second person we're going to talk about briefly is Achan. A-C-H-A-N found in the book of Joshua, chapters six and seven. Achan was a man of the tribe of Judah. He had been with the Israelites. They went through the wilderness. He was probably one that was born in the wilderness because he wasn't as old as some of the others. And the time came for them to go into the promised land and the Lord had assured them that they were going to have victory and they were going to take possession of the land. And the first city they were going to go up against was Jericho. Jericho was a well-walled city that was so powerful, the walls were so strong, you couldn't bring it down, but God was going to bring it down. But before they went off to fight in that first battle, the warning went out from Joshua, the Lord through Joshua that said these words in Joshua 6, 18 and 19. And again, God is very clear. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. You know, that's the thing I like about the Word of God and about God. He makes it crystal clear. He doesn't make the Bible complicated, hard to understand. That's pretty clear. You're not to take these things that are accursed things. These these things he tells you, these are going to go to the treasury of the Lord. You're not to take them. Don't touch them. These are things from the world. Don't take them. And so again, Achan is thinking to himself, there's nothing wrong with it. If I just take a little bit. I mean, the rest is all going to go to the treasury of the Lord, but I could take just a little bit for myself. Nobody will find out. Nobody will know. It'll be a secret. I'll, I'll put it in my tent. And that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. And how many people today, when they commit crimes or they do wrong think, oh, I'll be the one who won't get caught, right? I'll be the one that won't get caught. And they always have those shows on TV, The Dumbest Criminals, right? You have people that go in and rob a bank and the camera's on and it's just... I mean, it's amazing how people think they can get away with these things. And it's the same way and even more so in God's sight because He has eyes that see what man can't see and He has ears to hear that things that man can't hear. So He already knows when we sin and when we do those things. And the problem is, though, that like Achan, many times choose to disobey. It's not that we don't know the truth. It's that we disobey the truth. We want it our way. We want it the world's way. And yet the Lord provides a way of escape. I like what Charles Spurgeon said one day. He said, what settings are you in when you fall? Avoid them. What props do you have that supports your sin? Eliminate them. What people are you usually with? Avoid them. Good advice. There are two equally damning lies Satan wants us to believe. Number one, just once won't hurt. And number two, now that you have ruined your life, you are beyond God's use and you might as well enjoy sinning. And that's exactly the strategy of the devil. He tries to get us. He says, one time won't hurt. Nobody will find out. Nobody will know. It's, it's, it's a little sin. It's a white lie or it's just a little thing. And yet, then when you blow it and you're out of fellowship with God, you think God is not going to use me anymore. That's what happened with Peter. Peter was so discouraged when he denied the Lord three times. The devil, it said, The Lord Jesus said about Peter, he says, the devil has desire to sift you like wheat. But afterwards, after you've been restored, then restore your brethren. And so it's 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 quite an incredible thing. And Achan should have known better. I like to call Achan the man who should have known better. You know, the more you know about God and about His Word, the more accountable you are. Isn't that amazing? The more you know, the more accountable you are. And so that's what was true of Achan. He knew the truth. He knew what he shouldn't do, but he did it anyway. And it caused defeat. It caused defeat by the Israelites because after they won the battle of Jericho, they went off to fight the battle of Ai. A little tiny place. Nothing compared to the walled structure of Jericho. We can take it. We don't need all the army to go up, Joshua. We'll just send a few of us up. And they retreated and they were defeated by their enemies. They came back. Joshua was so upset. He fell to the ground. He was praying to the Lord and the Lord says, get up, Joshua. There's sin in the camp. Someone in the camp has taken Things under that ban, and that's why you were defeated. And so they had they drew lots, and they had all the people come up family by family, person by person, until it finally came to Achan. And Joshua said to him, He said, Tell us what you did. And he did. He came clean, he confessed it, but in chapter seven and verses twenty-one. 20 and 21, this is what Achan answered. And listen very carefully to you're going to see again the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, pride of life. Listen to this. And Achan answered and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw this among the spoils of Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them. There's that lust of the flesh. And took them. That's the pride of life. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. Again, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You can see the strategy that Satan uses. And so, here it was. He took it and he hid it there. Nobody's going to see it, right? God saw it. God exposes it. And so many times in our lives, if we think we're going to get away with it, if we can have secret sins out there that nobody knows about, guess what? God knows about it and He can reveal it. He can reveal it. It's amazing. In Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23, there's that famous verse that says, and if you do not do so, then take note and be sure your sin will find you out. Oh boy. If you put that in the paper, like that one person did, they he put in that paper. All is exposed. And all the people that read it fled out of the country because they'd put it in the paper, all is known, all is and they had guilt, and so they fled. And so it's amazing. But on that fateful day, Achan's sin was exposed, and it said that he was put to death for that, because he destroyed so much. It cost him everything. It really did. He lost his life. And of course, every one of his sons were killed. Every one, every one of his animals were killed. Everything that he had, his tent, everything had to be destroyed because it was under the curse. And sin brings a curse. It really does. It curses us. And that's why when Jesus died on the cross, he carried that curse. He bore that curse for us so that we would be forgiven and set free from it. But may God help us not to get ourselves into sin. One man said, well, one day my wife and I were shopping at a mall kiosk and a shapely young woman in a short form-fitting dress strolled by. My eyes followed her without looking up from the item she was examining. My wife asked, was it worth it, the trouble you're in? <laughs> oh you <know, laughs> boy, Was it worth it, the trouble you're in? And she's shopping here and looking at this, but you know she knows what's going on over here. If the wife knows what the husband's doing like that, how much more does God know what we're doing too? And so may we not spend any time in sin's orchard because those sinful fruits have terrible results. Many of us have heard about Benjamin Franklin, but it's interesting, he had an interesting quote to say. He said, it's easier to suppress the first desire than to satisfy all that follow it. You know, it's easier to say no now to the one thing than to later on try to say no after that because it becomes harder and harder and harder to say no. If you say no right away and ask the Lord for strength, He gives you the strength, say no, stand on it. The other kids will know your stand. The other people at work will know your stand. The people in the neighborhood will know your stand If we say no. If we say we're not going to do it. But as soon as we start waffling, as soon as we start saying, well, a little compromise with it, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You know, the devil casts a wide net and he catches many fish. He casts a wide net. May the Lord help us this morning as we consider this subject. Not to love the world, nor the things in the world. Because all that is in the world The lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, or as it says in one version, the boastful pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and also its lust. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And so that's the encouragement for our lives today. Yes, both Adam and Achan looked, they desired, and they took. You know, and it's easy to say, well... That happened to them. That was a long time ago. We're living in the 21st century here and we have it better and I'm not going to fall like that. Oh, do we? Do we not fall too? I think our falls are even worse than, they, than some of the falls that they, that they had. And it happened. And, when, and one of the best analogies you can think about is King David. King David was a godly king. But one day he was up on the roof, he was idle and he looked He desired and he took. And we know the story about him and Bathsheba. And we know the story about her husband Uriah, how he led to his being put to death and all of that. And how God forgave him. And it's true. But David had the same thing. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It happened to King David. But on the other hand, there were men of God who stood the ground. And one of the greatest examples in the Old Testament that I can ever think of is Joseph. Every day Potiphar's wife would come to him and she would flirt with him and she would want him and desire him and come to me, come to me, Joseph. He said, no, he wouldn't do it. Finally, one day she grabs him by the the coat and he flees. He gets out of there. He leaves that in her hand. And even though he was falsely accused, he was willing to go to prison rather than sin against his God. He even told her, how can I do this great evil and sin against God? And he stood for the truth and he went to jail and God honored him. And later on, he became second only to the prime minister of all Egypt after Pharaoh because he took that stand. And there's a time in life where when temptation comes, flee. Get away, like Brother Spurgeon said. Avoid it. Get rid of those things that we know will bring us down and hurt our walk and... And get rid of them in our lives. May the Lord help us to not be attracted to this world. There's so many attractions in this world. There's so many distractions in this world. There's so many amusements and allurements and things that try to draw us in. But we don't have to fall. He provides the way of escape. He gives us the strength. May the Lord help us to be like Joseph. Flee. And if we can't flee and we're in a situation and we're in a tight spot... Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to Him. Lord, preserve me. Save me from this temptation. And He will. When we send up an urgent prayer, He will answer it. So let's go to the Lord now in prayer. And I just want to ask if there's anyone here today who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. There's no way you're going to conquer temptation on your own. There's no way you're going to conquer sin on your own. There's no way you're going to get to heaven on your own. Because we're all sinners and we need to be saved. And I'm going to ask you today to come and ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Because He came all the way to heaven from heaven to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins. And all we have to do is say, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I know I can't do it on my own. I'm not fit for heaven. I'm far from You. I tried it my own way. I did it my own way. I fell so many times. But Jesus, I accept you as, as my Lord and Savior, that you died for me to give me forgiveness and salvation. And when we pray that prayer and ask him into our hearts, we can be saved right now and know for eternity that we have that sin question taken care of. And when the devil comes knocking, let's not answer that door. When he rings on the phone, let's not pick it up. When he tries to get us to do it, let's say no. Let's close in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you and praise you for your word and how practical it is. We think of Eve. We think of Achan. We think of their, how they were tempted and how they fell. Lord, help us, Lord, because we're, we're no different. We have that same human nature and we need your help and we need your power. Please give us victory, Lord. This world is so sinful. Help us to appear as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Help us to be willing to stand and to not compromise with this world. Help us not to love the world, Lord, but to love You. Because no one can love the Father and love the world at the very same time. So, Lord, we just pray You'll take us home with Your blessing. Please continue to speak to us, Lord, through Your Word today. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.